Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. That's a horrible way to begin. It could happen here. That's how we start a podcast. I'm Robert Evans. Podcast, things falling apart, uh, put them back together, all that good stuff. Co-hosts here today, Garrison Davis, our, our our buddy Chris, and of course, the great St. Andrew. Andrew. Blessings take, be upon you. Take it you. away. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> good morning, and mm-hmm. in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Wow. Speaking wow. of the Truman Show. <laughs> Sol- solid reference. Well done. Thank you. I want to spend today's episode discussing a concept that has been brought up in the work of James E. Scott and Christopher Ryan. Okay. That's the idea of human domestication. And before people start clicking off, I'm not going to go all and prim or anything. <laughs> you know, it's just, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. I think that Scott explores it in a very interesting way in chapter two of Against the Green. And so relating it, I guess, to the Truman Show, because, I mean, why did I bring it up? Truman lives in a suburban, picket fence, American dream, dome of a world. 
that's meant to keep him, you know, contained and content and ignorant about the fact that he's on a TV show. Truman is trapped in this world that he cannot conform to, but he cannot escape, at least initially. And so you could tell that, you know, there's something wrong and he's probably felt that way for a long time. It's only over the course of the movie that he develops a sufficient awareness of his condition to leave home and become a true man. Thank you very oh, much. Happy yeah. Holy. <laughs> all right. All right. Good episode, guys. What, a, what an episode. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and humans like Truman have been stewards and cultivators of the natural environment for a long time. Right. We're not the only creatures who do that, by the way. I see a lot of people who see, who kind of like adopt this assumption that humans just like imposing our will on the environment that is otherwise unscathed by our presence and all that. And I mean, yeah, we do a lot of very, very terrible stuff to the environment, but a lot of our actions are also beneficial. And we are the only creatures to shape and sometimes harm and sometimes benefit the natural environment. I mean, beavers, elephants, prairie dogs, bees, ants, termites, and not to mention the networks of trees and other plants that all manipulate their environments to suit them and their comfort and their survival, you know? But there's no nature as we know it, as we see it, um, that sort of untouched wild idea without the activities of humans. You know, humans have been planting seeds and tubers, shaping the evolution of many plant species, burning undesirable flora, weeding out competition, pruning, thinning, trimming, transplanting, mulching, relocating, bark ringing, coppicing, watering, and fertilizing. And for animals, you know, we have hunted even selectively, you know, spared females of reproductive age or hunted based on life cycles or fished selectively, managed streams to, pro to promote spawning and shellfish beds, you know, transplanted the eggs and young of birds and fish and even raised juveniles in some cases. That's kind of how we ended up domesticating a lot of animals. And I'm going to get into that. So through fire, through plow, through hunting, through a whole array of different activities, humans have domesticated whole environments. You know, well before, you know, the full, the first societies based on, you know, fully domesticated wheat and barley and goats and sheep. The spectrum of subsistence modes that we have utilized, whether it be hunting, foraging, pastoralism, or farming, have existed and complemented each other in a sort of harmony for millennia. And I mean, for those of you who have read Dawn of Everything, you kind of see that picture coming into shape as you progress through the book. But of course, James C. Scott also discussed it years before in Against the Green. So as he says, enter the Domus. Just as we transformed our landscapes, we transformed ourselves. The Domus was a unique and unprecedented concentration of tilled fields, seed and green stores, people and domesticated animals, and hangers-on like mice and rats and corvids, all co-evolving with consequences no one could have possibly foreseen. You know, dogs and pigs and cats, all of them, their entire evolution was shaped by their relation to this Dumas. And humans are not the exception. Um, of course, there's some animals that are easier to domesticate than others. 
is why you don't see people commonly riding or herding zebras and gazelle. Um, they don't make the best cattle or ride um, and probably knock your brains out if you tried. So <laughs> it's probably best to stick to the ones that we have sort of co-evolved with, like, you know, llamas and goats and sheep and pigs. And over generations, you see that domesticated creatures, unlike their wild counterparts, develop a level of submissiveness and a decreased wariness of their surroundings, right? So that emotional dampening is basically a condition of life because when you're in that domus, you know, you're under human supervision, that instant reaction to predator and, you know, prey, they're no longer the most powerful pressures because you're in this sort of cultivated environment. Your physical protection and nutrition is more secure than it would be in a more wild environment. So a domesticated animal is less alert to its surroundings, less aware of its surroundings than its cousins in the wild. Um, and we could see as well, you know, with human sedentism, there's also been, you know, a reduction in mobility. Um, and that, of course, had consequences for our health. To be very... Honest with you, I was actually kind of concerned about covering this and I was trying to figure out a way to cover this um, in a way that doesn't make me look like I'm trying to like retire into the deeps of Amazonia or something. Yeah. (laughs) But I just, I find it interesting to think about how environments shape us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can think about these things without becoming a hermit and... Uh, hiding in the woods as 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 attractive as an idea as that may be at times <laughs> well yeah for sure for sure i mean like i have this like kind of canon in my head of you know like the, the whole idea of multiverses yeah i figure somewhere in the multiverse there's a version of myself where i've retired into the forest and gone through this whole kind of like anime training arc and emerged as this like one punch man beast of a human. <laughs> I would, I would, I would also like to be in that timeline. I think that'd be very interesting. Yeah, like I train so hard that all my hair falls out. I'm <laughs> able to snap trees with just a breath. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like the 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 quintessential wild man. That's yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's also. A multiverse version of me where I'm president or something. I don't know. It would be pretty interesting to see, like, actually, it'd be kind of cool. I just had an idea of, like, this um, this team of versions of oneself that team up to, like, fight the evil versions of themselves across the multiverse. It's yes. kind of like Kang the Conqueror, except I think in most versions of the multiverse... He is evil. Yes, um, I have. I've definitely. I've definitely read that comic before of the good ones fighting the bad ones. I mean, the injustice yeah. comics and video, video games are pretty, pretty, pretty big, pretty big staples of that genre. Yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, in injustice, it's different characters. Whereas, it'll be interesting to see like a cast that's all just one person. Oh, just like the same dude. The exact same person. <laughs> the exact same but they, dude. they all grew up in such different environments, even though they share the exact same DNA. They're like different people. I think it'll be an interesting commentary on society. 
Because we do live in one after all. We do live in a society. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like I was saying, you know, environments shape us. We shape environments. And to me, we need to start shaping our environments again so we could either shape up or ship out of existence as a species. Right? Um, you know, because the way the trajectory we're on is not sustainable. Um, so we can see, of course, in this transition to the Domus, um, this sedentary, green-growing sort of community that, you know, in archaeological studies of the bones of the inhabitants, you could see, like, repetitive stress injuries shaping their bodies. You know, like, the skeletal signatures of, like, grinding grain and, you know, like, uh, cutting and sewing and kneeling and bending and moving in, you know, very repetitive ways. You know, and of course, with these concentrations of people, we also see, like, epidemics and stuff and parasites starting to fester, not just within humans or just not just within species, but also, like, cross-species pathogens and stuff. Yeah, You know, and so as we all on this kind of same arc, sharing this microenvironment, sharing our germs and parasites, you end up getting more and more brutal versions of like wild diseases, you know, because they basically go through the, the iron gauntlet of, you know, like the, the, the disease Thunderdome, where only one could come out as victorious. And so they battled out and became these more refined and more, severe forms which is why you see in Europe where they had these high population densities the the diseases that developed there when they were introduced to the quote-unquote new world you know it really ravaged the population that didn't really live in that level of density not to say they didn't have cities because they did they had cities and villages and collaborations and and such of people spanning across like large areas but it wasn't organized in quite the same way of course i'm generalizing quite severely but you know it's two whole continents <laughs> yeah um we also see that like nutritional stress starts to develop in the bones and teeth of um more quote-unquote domiciled humans um you see like iron deficiency anemia in people whose diets were consisting increasingly of grains. And, you know, as they settled, you know, their diets became narrower, you know, less variety um, in both plants and proteins. And so that ended up leading to, you know, like declining tooth size and a reduction in stature and skeletal robustness. And, of course, this change in like our physiology and dimorphism as a history such as like a lot further back than just the Neolithic but sedentism and crowding definitely left an immediate and legible mark on the archaeological record. I do find it interesting um, I read this book uh, I think last year called Botany of Desire and in it, the guy, um, what is his name? And in it, Michael Poulan talks about 
how the plants we thought we were domesticating domesticated us too. You know, because if you think about it, you know, you up in the garden on your hands and knees day after day, sun and rain, weeding and fertilizing and untangling and protecting and reshaping an environment just to suit your little tomato plant, your little potato plant. And I mean, the plant kind of has it made, you know. Um, they don't have to worry about the sort of things they would usually have to worry about outside of the domus, you know. You are there to make sure that their competitors are weeded out. You are there to make sure they get all the nutrients they need. You are there to make sure that no insects and stuff come and like ravage them. And you even help to fertilize them as well. And so, you know, it's kind of like, I want to say a mutual relationship because as you know, these domesticated plants have continued along this path of domestication, a lot of them can no longer thrive without our help. And in the same way, you know, we can't just not go on without them. You know, we also are dependent yeah. on like a handful of domesticated cultivars. Like we can't just suddenly switch and just be like, oh, we're not going to grow wheat and corn and potatoes anymore. Yeah, so, we... I mean, that's been the foundation of our diets for too long now. That's what, you know, most of our food production, well, I actually don't have percentages. I won't say most. I'll just say a lot of our food production is like centered around that. And so, um, you know, we can't just jump out of that. Especially with like population increases, we just have grown increasingly reliant on a few uh, like grains and cereals um, and starches. So yeah, we do. We need them more than they need us in a lot of senses. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I mean, a lot of them they do still have like wild counterparts that can always you know take over. It's just the wild counterparts are generally less appetizing. Yeah, than the ones we've gotten used to. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that picture of the different types of bananas out there. Um, or, you know, the different types of corn out there. Um, of course, there are a lot of corn species that are edible because, you know, they were cultivated in Mesoamerica. Um, I would like to try them because the corn that I've grown up with, gotten used to, I'm not sure what it's called, but I don't like it. Um... I th I find the, the texture and taste of it to be kind of, for lack of a better word, revolting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, and I've been this way for like a long, long time, right? Like I, growing up, used to be refusing to eat like an entire plate of food because it had corn in it. I didn't like <laughs> corn. I know people used to point out the irony in the fact that I would readily eat like corn pie or I would eat popcorn or I would eat like cornbread. Yeah. But to me, it's, it's not the same. <laughs> you know, like corn on the cob and, and stuff is, it's, it's not the same. And so I, like, I've tried some, some different types of corn. Like I've tried, um, those kind of like soft baby corns that you get in like soups and stuff. Oh yeah. And those are delicious. You know, I, I, I wouldn't set your sights too much on those various corn varieties because one of the oldest ways of eating corn before we had really nice soft kernels one of one of the oldest ways is, is we would we would take we would take the the hard the, the, the hard corn kernels um 
pop them inside a inside like a frying pan to make the starch expand then crush that up and mix it with like a liquid to have a very disgusting starchy gruel and that was the way that we ate corn for a long time and eventually that was what? able you know eventually we were able to like turn yeah. it into like um like tortillas and stuff but for a long time it was just kind of corn Wait. gruel what? yeah it's yeah pretty gross. this was this was a major Seriously? problem this was a major problem during the irish potato famine because in short the potato crops failed um and so the british government imported a bunch of what they called indian corn at the time which was corn grown in the united states um and th this was even though irish people were growing plenty of corn to feed themselves but that corn was being exported um and the indian corn was seen right. as, it was harder so it was seen as of lower quality so they had to develop a bunch of methods of grinding it down and eventually the government was just like hey just soak it for like several days and then boil it in water for hours and yeah. add some milk or some grease if you have it. And one of the problems it caused is that like the Irish people were starving to death. And because well, yeah. when you're starving to death, your your stomach is not as hearty as it is when you're not starving to mm. death. And so the corn, even after being boiled, would cut their stomachs Ooh. and there is severe <sighs> lining and cause like in some right, cases people yeah. would like die. Yeah. Um so yeah, corn. <laughs> See, I could I could add that's my reasons to despise corn, <laughs> like anti-Irish violence. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the King of Sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to fifteen hundred dollars. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm gonna, I, I will briefly rant about corn subsidies, but I don't think I've actually done that on the show yet. Oh, we can talk. There we, we go. Can do a, we yeah. can do an episode but, I mean, of I corn think subsidies. There's, there, there's, there's, a, there's a thing about... That'll be high traffic. Domus that's like... <laughs> like... In terms of sort of domestication, in terms of human domestication, you know, and in terms of the the extent to which we're being shaped, you have to be, I think, very careful to make sure that you're attributing agency to the thing that actually has agency, because there's there's a tendency to sort of attribute stuff to, you know, okay, well, this is just the way the technical process works, and because this is the way the technical process works, here are the social structures that inevitably result out of it, and that's true to some extent. But, you know, for example, like if, if we're talking about like who's domesticating whom, we look at corn. It's like, well, yeah, OK, so we grow in, grow an enormous amount of corn, but it's not because of sort of like like that. That's the, the, the reason we have so much corn is entirely political. It's entirely about the fact that like there's a corn lobby in the U.S. that is enormously yes. powerful. And because of the way the Senate works and because of the way sort of like the, the primaries work, uh, you have to be pro corn. Yes. And this means that. The American corn industry has billions and billions of dollars in subsidies that like this is this is like the only thing every economist across the entire political spectrum agrees on. Yes. Like <laughs> you, you will you will get like the Heritage Foundation agreeing with like Marxists who are agreeing with like yep. uh, like the, the standard liberal comments. Everyone agrees this is awful. The free trade people agree with this. The anti-free trade people agree with this. And it just sticks there because of, you know, because because of a, a very sort of a, a very contingent set of political processes and I think that that's something that's important to keep in mind when you're thinking about stuff like domestication, which is that like, yes, on the one hand, that it, it is true that you are being shaped by the production process, but it's also true. Like, for example, it, you know, if you go back to, to to the women in the story who, you know, you you can see in in their bones, right, that they've been sort of like bending over, like husking crops and stuff. Well, it's like, well, that, that it, it it's true to some extent that that's that's because of the production process, but the production process works like that because of social reasons. Like, okay, like yes. why is it women doing this work, right? Like there's right, yeah. there there's always simultaneously sort of human constructed social systems operating at the same time as you have these mechanical systems and people love to attribute all of it to the mechanical systems in a way that loses you know, it 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 naturalizes things that are bad and could actually be changed and loses the capacity for sort of, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, so our, our sort of culpability in both the fact that it could be different and the fact that we do it this way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's still, I think it's still important to, to like think about like how reliant we still are on it as a resource Definitely. in terms of like 
maize and like you know corn syrup and like getting like glucose get like like it's so we rely on it for so many facets beyond just eating like corn on the cob yeah um yeah exactly and like yeah it's kind of it's like it's like a it's like a it's like a figure eight infinity loop here that we've kind of we've we've kind of like tied ourselves into a knot um yeah but like like a lot of this stuff also has to do with the fact like you know part of the reason that there's we use corn syrup is there were like taxes on sugar and you could get you could get around and and this this has all these all these like yeah there's all these sort of feedback cycles of like we become dependent on something because of a social process but now we're dependent on the physical process and it's yeah i I mean you can you can like tie this into the idea of like once you switch over to large-scale agriculture we need to kind of have some body that that governs how it works because now we're no longer reliant on smaller, more like individualized farms or forest farming. We're instead reliant on a bigger, you know, like a bigger stake in the land. So if that fails, we're all more in trouble. Now, agriculture does not equal sieve. That's not, that's not an actually sound, um, like, um, like anthropology. Like if, if if you look at like anthropology, that's actually not a super sound argument. I think you can read the, you can read the, 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 of everything that make they make that point pretty clear but still when you do have when you do have a large population re- relying on very few like um very large crop like 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 of only a a small diversity of large crops then there is a lot there's a lot there's a lot more stakes on it so you're going to you know there's going to be processes that are going to have like authorit- authoritative hierarchical elements to help organize those crops so that they we don't get you know famines which of yeah. course, if you look at um, Maoist China, you can see that worked out very well. <laughs> yeah, and I should note for the record, when we're talking about the Irish potato famine, that a lot of people didn't die because the government imported corn, which they stopped doing after the first year of the famine because of Trevelyan. Anyway, we're, we're, we're do- we'll be doing an episode on the potato famine. I didn't want to completely shit on the corn that was imported by the government because yeah. it was critical. It's just also eating corn doesn't historically as as was brought up earlier <laughs> eating corn historically does not mean what you you think about now yeah well and and, and you know we'll, we'll, we will also do things on on the mao famines and part of that also was that the centralization of agriculture was a f- like epochal disaster in a lot of ways that took like uh, decades to recover from which Indeed. yeah is a is a fun time Yes, and when Chris says a fun time here, he is not being literal. <laughs> For those in the audience who are wondering. <laughs> thank you, th- 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 thank you, Andrew, for that clarification. I was, I was slightly, I was slightly confused. Yes, yeah, he, yeah, he is, he is slash G. He is not slash SRS. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it occurs to me that I. It, I, I'm not sure I've ever gone back into the records to see if anyone in my family died from the famines. I know people died later. I don't know if people died specifically from that, which is a good time. Zay. Again, yeah, right, when, when yeah. Chris says a good time, <laughs> what, what they actually mean is not a good time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, anyway, back to against the grain. Back to against the grain. <laughs> so as we're talking about, you know, this reliance on this one staple, whether it be corn or grain or any cereal, really. It kind of brings to mind, um, and also when we talk about the centralization of farming and how, um, you know, we've grown to be so reliant on these single things. And not only that, but less people know about the processes that go into our food than ever before. Um, We see kind of like as time progresses, 
And as James C. Scott points out, hunter gatherers, you know, they had this host of natural rhythms that they had to observe. You know, they had like the movement of herds, the seasonal migrations of birds, you know, the resting and nesting places of fish, the cycles of whole host of different fruits and nuts. Um, and if you, in the Caribbean, you would know about things like, you know, mango season and plum season and chenet season, all these different seasons at different times of year. Um, and to keep track of all those, plus several more because they had such diverse diets. I mean, the way to track the appearance of, you know, different mushrooms, um, the locations of different types of game, you know, it's it, all these activities that require toolkits, right? You know, different techniques that have to be mastered, have to be understood, have to be shared from generation to generation. You know, they also, in addition to that, you know, these foragers, they had the ability to cultivate, you know, lots of different stands of, you know, cereal. Um, they had the different tools. They had start to make sickles and, you know, um, what do you call those again? Slingshots and blue dots and all these different tools would have used spears, arrows, and um, they also would have had to recognize the seasonality of sometimes different ecosystems. You know, they might have been crossing over wetlands and forests and savannas and arid environments. And so as they understand, they had to understand these, um, these rhythms and they had to be generalists and opportunists that could take advantage of these different rhythms, all the different episodic bounties that nature may provide. Or rather not provide, but, you know, bring their way that they would have to kind of fight for in some cases. But at the, they have this sort of metronome, right? Farmers, on the other hand, you know, as we sort of move to that sort of farming dominant, sedentary sort of way of life, you know, you're largely confined to this one single food web, right? Your routine, your routine has a particular tempo. You still have to observe, observe, you know, different seasonalities and different movements, but it's a bit more limited. You know, you have a handful of crops that you have to bring successfully to harvest every year. And I mean, it's complex. A lot of things you have to look out for, whether it be, you know, diseases and pathogens and, you know, different insects and, and pests that may um, come at your crops. You know, you have to look out for those different things, but it's usually uh, closer, less expansive um, range of activities, at least in comparison to hunter-gatherers. On the other hand, farming and the nuances of cereal grain farming are far more complex, require far more skill and much wider range of knowledges than, you know, working on an assembly line, you know, um, as I believe Adam Smith points out in Wealth of Nations, you know, you have all these people on this assembly line making pins, but Alexis de Tocqueville asks, what can be expected of a man who has spent 20 years of his life putting heads on pins? You know, there's sort of a restriction in terms of a contraction in terms of the range of knowledges and expertises that, you know, one can be expected to 
take on. Um, and so I guess that kind of links into like my whole idea of anti-work. It's this idea of moving outside and, and beyond this kind of restriction to like one or two or a few uh, rigorous activities that you're expected to do for the rest of your life. And more so opening people up to exploring a wider range of knowledges and expertises and experiences and practices that, you know, they can weave into their everyday life. So rather than, you know, just one minutely choreographed routine of dance steps, you know, there's a bit more expression, a bit more freedom in terms of, you know, how we live, in terms of how we work, in terms of how we educate, um, in terms of how we build, um, how we socialize, um, being able to sort of not just march to one beat, but sort of generate a cacophony of music. Absolutely, because I think no matter whether or not you own a share in the pin-making factory... (laughs) I think you're still going to face alienation from your environment by just doing the same repetitive task eight hours a day. Like, I don't, I don't think that's actually much better. Uh, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it requires transformation. And so for those who haven't seen, you know, I did a video on anti-work, sort of discussing it. So you can check that out when this comes out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I suppose I just want to point out that right now we live in a society <laughs> that, um, that is governed by institutions that often demand behavior that conflicts with our innate capacities and predilections, you know, the millions of years of us living in these, you know, cooperative social sharing environments, you know, where communal and individual um, rights and and such were, were valued and respected. I mean, to sort of draw back to the Truman Show analogy, it's almost as if, you know, we went from living in the world to living in a zoo of our own making. We were just being... Well, I guess we're watching ourselves in this zoo. Yeah, it's it's like the zookeeper who lives inside the zoo and is also the attraction. <laughs> exactly, and and so I think that while obviously we can't switch back to like foraging and all is not necessarily desirable, I do think that we need to reconsider our approaches to you know health and and security and work and leisure and the way we relate to the natural world. We have to sort of change the story and change how we organize. And it's going to take trial and error, of course. Um, anyone who's organized can tell you that it is far from easy um, and is replete with setback and failure. But... I think we have a responsibility to remake this status quo, to right the wrongs of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's it. Woo! Throw in a couple of air horns here, Dan. <laughs> Make sure they're pitched lower so that it's not horrible to listen to. No, <laughs> never do that. Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 